Well, this is a special day. It's a different day for us. Today is Big Vision Sunday. How many of you brought your vision list with you this morning? If you brought your vision list, I want you to hold it up. Wave it. Wave it around. There you go. On iPads, I see phones, I see notebooks. If it's your first time with us and you're like, what in the world? Just hang on. Uh, We'll explain everything to you. But this is a special day in the life of the church, and this is something we do together every single year. We spend uh, a couple of weeks talking about vision, talking about the source of our vision, where our vision comes from. And then we take some time and we do what the Bible says and we write the vision. And the reason we write it, the Bible says this too, so that those who read it can do what? Run with it. Anybody ever told you just take it and run with it? Well, that's what we're telling you today. Take the vision that the Lord has given you, the Lord, he's, the, the vision he's given this church, and we're going to run with what he's called us to do. So uh, here's how we're going to uh, spend the rest of our time in service this morning. In a few minutes, we're going to receive our offering. And then after that, uh, Sarah and I are going to come and go over the vision list of the church with you. We're going to go over what the Lord accomplished in this family in 2023. We're going to go over some of the things we see happening in 2024. But right now, in preparation for that, I want to take just a few minutes Spend some time in the Word. You guys just want to hang tight? Can you do that? Everybody good? All right. Uh, Open your Bibles with me, please. Um, First of all, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we're going to put these scriptures on the screen for you. Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, are the verses that the Lord has given to Legacy Church for 2024. Hey, look who's here, guys. Love y'all. Good to see you. Um, These are the verses He's told us to to set our expectation on, to build our faith on for 2024 and beyond. And um, he spoke to us and said at the end of last year, coming into this one, that 2024 would be what church? A year like, a year like never before. And we actually had that printed up for you. If you don't have this, these are on the table in the lobby. I encourage you to grab one as you go out today. And you can leave that on the screen for us for just a moment. Uh, and keep this somewhere where you can see it. Uh, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it somewhere where you look every single day. And uh, I assume you look at both of those places every single day and keep this word in front of you. He said to us, it's going to be a year like never before. And then the spirit of God took some time and added to that and spoke to us these words. And you'll see them here on the screen. He told us to expect the what uncommon and to do what embrace the unfamiliar. And if we would do those two things, he made a promise to us about this year and the years to come. He said, we would encounter the unimaginable. This word is working in me, church, and I pray it's working in you too. I am on a daily basis now expecting not just what I saw the day before or the weeks or months or years before, but something uncommon. And I fully intend to embrace not just what I'm comfortable with, but something when I recognize the Lord is in it, even if it's unfamiliar, we're going to embrace it. We're going to reach out and grab a hold with the hand of faith that God's grace, all that God's grace is providing for us. And this is going to be even clearer to you here in the next few minutes. But what I've come to see is that there's another word you could add to this. And I'm not saying we're going to change the way this reads. Well, here's what I'm discovering that with the uncommon, And with the unfamiliar can come the uncomfortable, the uncomfortable. Now I want you to hear my heart in the way I say that I'm talking about specifically uncomfortable on your flesh. Okay. 
I know when uh, the Lord dealt with Sarah and I years ago, we were on staff with my parents and grandparents in their ministry, and the Lord began dealing with us about launching into our own ministry. So we took months and months and sought the Lord over that and prayed over it and submitted it to our elders. And uh, we got the green light and the go ahead, and they sort of pushed us out the door and, and sent us on our way. And, and I kept saying, leading up to that moment when we were stepping into our own ministry, I kept saying, you know, we're just getting outside our comfort zone. We're just going to do what's uncomfortable. We're just breaking outside of what's comfortable. And the Lord got a hold of me and he said, you need to change the way you think about that. He said, I gave you the comforter. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit. And that is his job description in our lives to comfort. And he said to me, so if you're doing anything other than what I've led you to do through him, you need to call that uncomfortable. But there's still the effect that it has on the flesh. What I had been saying was, oh, this is making me uncomfortable. But I had to make that distinction. There's confidence in my spirit, even while my flesh is squirming. Are you with me? Yes. So there is some of that that goes with what the Lord is saying to us. When we expect the uncommon and we reach out to embrace the unfamiliar, your flesh might want to fight against that. But you're not looking to the outside, are you, church? You're looking on the inside where every one of you have the, the, the Spirit of God living big on the inside of you. And if you'll learn to look and listen there, confidence will come even when there's some discomfort in your flesh. I'm going to show you exactly what I'm talking about. The scripture the Lord gave us to build this word on came from Isaiah 43. Put that up there for us again. Verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Why? The Lord says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Now here's what the new thing looks like. If you've been with us since the beginning of the year, you might be getting tired of hearing this, but, but don't grow weary. We're going to keep going over it. This is what the new thing looks like. It's a road in the wilderness. How do you know that the new thing is a God thing? Because there's a lot of new things that show up every day in life. And we need the spiritual discernment to know whether or not God is in it, or it's just something that the world is doing or something that the flesh is doing. We want to know that it's something God is in. And he said, here's how you're going to recognize it. It will be a road in the wilderness, a road where there was no road direction, where there had been no direction. That's what the new thing is. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. Now with that in mind, this is like I've said already, big vision Sunday. So what kind of vision are we endeavoring to cultivate on the inside? We want a vision of ourselves, our lives outside the wilderness. No more wilderness living, no more wilderness wandering, no more unproductiveness, right? No more aimlessness, aimlessness, no more wandering without a path. We want that road that takes us out. So I'm going to ask you today, can you see yourself out of the wilderness? Even if you've been in it and it feels like you've been in it for decades, can you get a vision this morning of you out of it? Yes into a place where you're not just surviving, but you're thriving and you're productive and everything you set your hand to do and God is prospering. Can you see that this morning? This is vision for you. So let me give you, I'm going to give you three things today and we'll call these three components, if you will, to fulfilling the vision. I'll list them for you and then we'll touch on each one of them. Three words. And I believe you'll be able to remember these. Number one, contentment. Yes. 
contentment. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Contentment. Number two, commitment. Contentment and commitment. Number three, courage. Let me give them to you again. Contentment, commitment, and courage. I want to touch on these first two and this as I jumped into it in preparation, I could see very easily that every one of these could be an hour, uh, but we're not going to do that today. But let me just touch on them and then um, we'll spend a few minutes on this last one. Com- contentment. What does contentment have to do with vision? They almost seem like they're opposing ideas, but vision, and I would almost say that one of the first key components of vision Even though vision has to do with the future, one of the key ingredients to fulfilling the vision is learning to be content with where you are. Content with where you are. Now, can you see, and you can almost not just see it, but feel it, the the friction, the pull between contentment and vision? like I said, vision seems like it's, it's all about what's in front of you. Contentment seems like it's all about where you are here and now, but I'm going to tell you, it is a key ingredient and a key component component to you and I fulfilling the, the vision contentment with where you are. The Bible says in first Timothy chapter six, let me put this on the screen for you. First Timothy chapter six, verse six. Do you see this here? It says now godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. Other translations use the word wealth. When you add these two things to each other, it produces gain. It produces wealth. You could say it produces increase in your life. What two things? Godliness with, with contentment. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Now on the surface, you might look at that and think, well, that seems pretty opposed to uh, the, a message that preaches increase and prosperity. It just seems like the Bible saying, you know, if you got food and you got clothes, you got food on the table and clothes on your back, then you ought to just shut up and be happy with what you got. But he goes on in these verses, actually the, the very next verse says, those who desire to be rich fall into all kinds of snares and traps. So, so what's, what's going on here? How are we to understand this? Well, that word, you got to understand that word desire. When he said those who desire to be rich, other translations use the word long for it. We might use the word crave it. It is not okay to long for material wealth. It is not okay to crave it night and day. It is not okay for it to be on your mind all the time because one of the big reasons that's not okay is because it produces a discontentment. If you're always looking at what you don't have, you will never be thankful for what you do. And one of the big key ingredients to fulfilling the vision is learning to be content with where you are. Content with where you are. This word content and contentment, it's actually the same word you see 
translated other places in the New Testament, sufficiency. You remember when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he, he talked about all grace abounding towards them. He said, when all grace is abounding towards you, you will always have all sufficiency in all things. That word sufficiency is this word contentment. It literally means enough, enough. Now, again, people have heard that and they have confused the word contentment with the idea of settling, the idea of giving up, honestly. Well, you know, I guess the Bible says this is enough, so I guess it's enough. No, listen, it's, it is enough. It's enough to be thankful for. Are you listening to me? Food on the table clothes on your back. This is enough to be thankful, thankful. In other words, has the Lord done enough for you to be thankful right now, right where you are? Has he done enough for you to be thankful? Has he done enough for you and I to be grateful, not to push and delay our Thanksgiving till later? Well, when the Lord does that, then I'll be thankful. And if he ever shows up over here, then I'll be grateful. That is discontentment because you're constantly looking at what you don't have, where you're not. And if you're delaying gratitude until you, you see what's out in the future, you're never going to be thankful. Contentment is the recognition, God, if you never did another thing for me, you have saved me. You paid a high price for me. You welcomed me into your family. You called me your own. And if you never did another thing from now until I see you in eternity, I have more than enough to be thankful, 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 thankful for it. Are you with me? I know I learned this in a big way. Years ago, Sarah and I, when the kids were little, we were building a new place for us to live. And we were moving out of one place and we we're getting ready to move into the next one. Well, if you've ever built anything, you know there is the original move-in date and then there's the actual move-in date. Well, we had the original and we were kind of basing everything on that. And the closer we're getting to it, we can see, I don't think we're gonna hit that date. But still, we had to move out of the house we were in. So her mom and dad, Sarah's mom and dad, were gracious enough to let us use their RV, their camper. So we parked the camper on the construction site where we were building the new place to live. And if I uh, remember correctly, I think we were supposed to move in around August and it wasn't ready. So we've got this other place to live and it's great. I don't know if you've ever uh, spent a weekend in a camper. <laughs> But a weekend in a camper is a lot of fun. I said a weekend in a camper is a lot of fun. I mean, you're out in the wilderness, right? You're in the woods and maybe it's raining. Maybe it's storming outside. You got shelter, right? I mean, you got a, a warm place, a weekend. Anybody with me? A weekend in a camper is a lot of fun. Well, we moved into this camper in about August because the place is going to be done, you know, in a couple, maybe a week or two, and then it wasn't, and then it wasn't the next two weeks, and then it wasn't. We spent three months 
with two small children in the camper. And it wasn't long after we moved into it, we were feeling cramped. And I don't know, a few weeks into it, we started referring to the camper as prison. Nobody wanted to go. It's like, do we have to go back to the camper? Because you walk in and you just feel like you're, you're shoulder to shoulder the whole time. And the, the master bedroom is about six inches from the kitchen, which is also the living room, which is also where Justice sleeps, which is also where we've got Jessie's little play yard and she's asleep. I remember one afternoon I came in and I walked into the front door of the camper and to my left was Jesse taking a nap and Justice taking a nap. Immediately to my right, Sarah's resting. I've got lunch in my hand, so I stood in the doorway of the camper, silently eating a fast food burger, going, God, get us out of here. We hate the camper. And it really got frustrating. It got frustrating to the point where we were agitated and not to mention the fact that it was the dead of summer in Texas, so you got that to deal with too. But as we were coming to the end of that time and getting ready to move into the house in October, the Lord spoke up on the inside of me so gently as he always does. He said, let me ask you this. Is, are, are you discontent because this is taking a long time? Or do you think maybe this is taking a long time because you're discontent? Are you unthankful because of the delay? Or is this being delayed because you've been unthankful? See, we're not used to thinking that way, are we? We think our discontentment is the result of the circumstance, when really the circumstance may be the result of our discontentment. He said contentment is gain, and we weren't gaining anything, it seemed like. And it was in that season that we learned the art of contentment. What was there to be thankful for? A roof? Hmm? A roof over our heads? Opportunity to get closer in every way as a family? We never went without a meal? There's enough. Somebody say, that's enough. That's enough to be thankful. Can you see how contentment is a key ingredient to fulfilling the vision? Okay. In just a moment, I'm going to show you what it looks like to be content with where you are. So hang tight. But where do we go from contentment? What was the second word I gave you? Commitment. Contentment with where you are, but commitment to where you're going. Now, again, these things feel like they pull against each other. They don't especially for the man and woman of faith in God, these things can actually be operative in your life at the exact same time. You can be fully content right where you are and at the same time, fully committed to where you see yourself going. Committed to where you're going. Here's a scripture we've looked at several times in reference to our vision, but look at it again with me. Proverbs 29 verse 18. The Bible says where there's no uh, vision, King James says, the people perish. But the New King James says it like this, where there's no revelation. That's what vision from God is. It's revelation. It's the light coming on in your heart and you seeing what had previously been darkened and you couldn't see. He's turning the light on for you. He's ripping the cover off the thing and voila, there it is. You see it. That's what vision is. 
And he said, without that, the people, notice this, they cast off restraint. That's a bit more specific, I think, than what the King James says, the people perish. That almost paints a picture like, if you have no vision, be careful, because you could drop dead any second. <laughs> Isn't that what perishing sounds like? Without vision, people perish. He'd be in the grocery store line, he drops dead. What happened? No vision. No vision. It doesn't totally make sense, does it? So what we see here is that perishing really has more to do with what the New King James says in casting off restraint. And it's like I've told you, we mentioned it last week and we've talked about it in the years uh, previous, vision creates boundaries. Boundaries. Not to be mistaken with limitations, but boundaries. And when you get a vision from God and you see what he sees when he looks at you, even if it's not what you think you look like, look like right now, you get a glimpse of that vision and you commit to it, it's going to create some boundaries. If you are truly committed to the vision, you're going to live within these boundaries. Every one of us should have a vision for our marriages, a vision for our families, parents, a vision for our children. You know, you got to get a vision for your health. Sarah and I, for, for several years, uh, when we go to make our vision list, we identify anything in our bodies, any, any pain, any um, uh, symptom of any kind, we put it on that vision list and we see ourselves strong. We see ourselves well and whole, but that kind of vision, say you haven't been well, but you got a vision to be strong and healthy. Well, that vision is going to create some boundaries, right? And there may be some things you don't eat. Uh Oh, sorry to, to, to uh, personal. There may be some things you don't put in your body. There may be some things you don't do with your body because that would be outside of the boundary. And I'm committed to this vision. Are you with me? Husbands, let me tell you this. You need to have a vision for your marriage. You need a vision for your marriage. I have a vision for my marriage. My vision includes me and that woman old together wrinkled. Well, maybe me, she probably won't, but me <laughs> sometimes we'll be out uh, in a public space and we'll, we'll see an elderly couple just walking hand in hand together, you know, just moving slow, not in a hurry for nothing. Look like they're totally content and enjoying each other. And I think to myself, that's my vision. That's my vision. I can see us on a front porch with the sounds of kids and grandkids, Lord help us. I can hear it. That's my vision. Well, that vision creates boundaries. It creates boundaries in my life that if I'm committed to that vision, I won't live outside that boundary. That's why I have some policies in my life. That's why we have some policies in this church among our staff. I don't meet with other women alone. I don't have private conversations with other women. 
As a matter of fact, when we have to send text messages to each other on staff, if I need to communicate with one of the women in the office, I text and Sarah's on it. Somebody hears that and says, well, that sounds pretty legalistic. No, it's leadership. It's not legalism. It's leadership. Are you with me? It's created boundaries for me. This goes back all the way to when I was youth pastoring and serving in youth ministry at my parents' church. We had that same policy then. And I can tell you 20, whatever years later, I've never been in a compromising situation with a teenager in our youth group, a boy or a girl, not on this staff, not on in this church. Why? Because my vision for my marriage has created some boundaries and I'm committed to this vision. So I'm not willing to get outside the boundary. Are you following me? Remember a, a young boy named Joseph and he had suffered some real rejection from his family, ended up being sold into slavery. He was bought by a man named Potiphar, purchased as a slave in this man's house. But as soon as Potiphar saw God was all over this young man, he elevated him, he promoted him, he made him ruler in his whole household. But Potiphar had a wife and the Bible says she cast longing eyes on him and she pressured him day after day after day. But Joseph would say to her over and over again, how could I commit this sin against my master and my God? But she kept pressing him and kept pressing him and kept pressing him. And you remember there was one day she was pressing him again and grabbed a hold of his coat and he turned and he ran away. But when Potiphar came home, she lied about him and said that he had come on to her and he got thrown into prison. Joseph did. But the Bible gives us this one little detail in that story. And I believe it's the reason, the reason Joseph went to prison. You know what it says? When he was in the house working, she came in and none of the men were in the house. None of the men were in the house. Now that'll preach on a lot of levels. We need some men in the house. But the problem with it was they were alone. And there was nobody that could be accountable to Joseph's story. Are you following me? Vision will create some boundaries. And if you're committed to the vision, you'll live inside it. This is not legalism. I think there might not be anything that bugs me any more than somebody getting about a thimbles full of revelation of grace. And then they just start calling everything legalism, law, legal. Oh, that's You're putting me under law. Oh, that's legalism. Be careful. It's not legalism. It's leadership. It's not law. It's love. You quiet. You okay? What do we need? First of all, contentment with where we are. What do we need after that? Commitment to where we're going. And in just a moment, I'm going to show you what commitment to where you're going really looks like. And then finally, we need courage, contentment, commitment, and courage. Go with me, please, to the book of Numbers. And I want to show you just a few verses here. I want you to start in Numbers chapter 12. 
all the way down at the very last verse of this scripture, or excuse me, uh, last verse of this chapter. And this is the account of the first generation of the Israelites that came out of Egyptian bondage. They've been delivered in a mighty way. And here we see in verse 16 of Numbers chapter 12, it says, afterward, the people moved from Hazroth and they camped in the wilderness. Where are they? Wilderness. They're in the wilderness. Well, then when you go to chapter 13, the first verse of chapter 13, put that on the screen for us. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses. Excuse me. Uh, chapter 13, verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man and everyone a leader among them. So he does that. He selects 12 and these are spies going to check out the promised land because God is not content and happy with them staying in the wilderness. That's not the fullness of his plan. However, when you look at their life in the wilderness, still he provided for them there. There was miracles taking place there, yet he had more in store. So was there something to be thankful for while they were in the wilderness? Sure. But could they have been committed and courageous to go to the next place? So Moses did this. He selects them. And if you'll skip down to verse 17, it says, Moses sent them, to, sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like, are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or not. And notice what he said, be of good courage, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. And it says, now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Verse 21, so they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near the entrance of Hamath. Now, if you think about everything Moses told them to go do, check it out. Check out the people there. Check out the, the, the cities. Check, check out the fruit. Check out this and that. Take a look. Get a really good idea of what's there. What he didn't say is go find out if we can do this or not. He did not tell them, go, go find out if it's possible. No, God's already said, this is where I'm taking you. But what happened? Verse 22, they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Ashol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from the land, returned from spying out the land after 40 days. It says, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Where are they? Wilderness. Is this where God intends for them to stay? No. But they're in the wilderness and they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. 
It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Verse 28, nevertheless. Here come the excuses. Here come all the reasons why we can't have this land. The people who dwell there in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Reason after reason after reason why we can't have it. Why we're not enough. We're not strong enough. We're not able. Now I want you to think back to the previous weeks when we've talked about God doing a new thing. And what do we see happen every time he does a new thing? Two groups form. Those who resist it and rebel against it and those who receive it and will cooperate with it. I want you to see right here, God's trying to do a new thing in this nation and these two groups form. The first one, the first group says, they're too much for us. They're too big for us. They're too many for us. But here's the beginnings of the next group. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Texas translation, y'all shut up. Let us go up at once. Woo. What's he saying? Let's go right now. Let's do this thing now. What are we waiting on? Let's do this thing now. Let's go up at once and take possession. Why? Because we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him and said, we are not well able to go up against the people. They're stronger than us. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. The land through which the spies had gone is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw there, the great men of stature, and we saw the giants there. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. This is major revelation. This is their vision of themselves. We're grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Two groups formed. And as usual, the resistors were much more than the receivers. That's how it goes. Now, you know the rest of this story. Chapter 14 goes on. It says, All the congregation, verse 1, lifted up their voices and cried. The people wept all night long. All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, If we had just died in the land of Egypt or if we had died in the wilderness... Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Wow, this is some great faith here, isn't it? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's select a leader and go back to Egypt. This is not forward moving. This is trying to go backwards. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he'll bring us into this land and he'll give it to us. He'll just give it to us. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Verse nine, don't rebel. Don't resist. Don't fight against this. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people, the land. They're our bread. 
We're going to eat these people for lunch. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation tried to stone these two. Can you see the two groups forming? God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. And you got two people going, yes, let's go. Let's do it. And you got a million saying we can't. Saying there's no way. Now this story goes on. And it so angered God that he said, how long are these people going to test me? And if you go back and read the story, it had been 10 times that they had resisted him and rebelled against him over and over and over. And God finally said, fine, you don't want to go there and you don't want to go now. Then you will stay right here. Where? Wilderness. He was making a road out of it, paving a road out of the wilderness. And Joshua and Caleb were going, the road's right here. Come on, let's get on the road. Let's go. Let's hit the road, guys. Everybody else is saying, no, no, we're not going. And God said, fine, then you will stay here. And this entire generation will die here. Why? Because they didn't take the opportunity. They didn't take the road out of the wilderness when God gave it to them. But God said, you know what? Caleb can go in. I like him. He said, he's got a different spirit about him. What was that spirit? Courage. Courage in the face of total fear coming from the other spies and the entire congregation. And God said, everybody else, you stay here. I'll take Caleb. I'll take Joshua. Courage. Yes, it's going to require some contentment with where you are. It'll also require some commitment to where you're going. But I'm telling you, church, you're stepping up to a crossroad. And when you have been in the wilderness and all of a sudden there's a road that appears before you, I'm telling you, it's going to take some courage to take that road. It requires courage to take the land. Courage, contentment, commitment, and courage. I want to show you an example of this. Before we get into our vision list for today, I'm going to show you what I believe this looks like. Guys, if you have that first screen of our Jubilee Freedom Project, would you put that up there for me? One year ago today, you and I, how many of you were here a year ago today for Big Visions of Me? Okay, so you remember this. We released faith together for the total payoff of this entire church property. 30,000 square foot building, 152 acres. And on day one of the project leading up to it, you can see the green portion filled in. That's where we were starting. That's how much progress we had already made in the first couple of years of the church. And that was before even having a project. But the day we released faith together and we declared our freedom, we were at just over 11,000 square feet paid for. Now I put this red line on here for you to see this because I told you from the beginning, this project was not just about being free from debt, but it was also about being free for ministry, ministry to our children, ministry to our teenagers. And that's what we believe the vision God had given us 
what the next step we were supposed to take in this church is be free from the debt so that you can be free to minister to the whole family. So that red line is where we hit debt freedom. And that's right about the 25,000 square foot mark, which leaves the last 5,000 square feet of the project at $100 a square foot for freedom to minister to the kids and to the youth. And so we, this is where we were starting a year ago today. And if you were to do the math, you don't have to, I did it for you over and over and over again. From where that green line stops to the red line, it's about $1.4 million. And I got to tell you how many times I had to practice the art of contentment. When I looked at that and thought $1.4 million, Lord, how, how? We're a little church in the mountains. We're just starting how? But contentment says, Lord, look what you've already done. Look where you've put us. Lord, if you never did another thing, if we were paying on this place for another 5, 10, 15, 20 years, still you've done more than enough for me to be thankful. So I had to practice that in this phase of our project contentment with where we were. And as pastor and leader, man, I want us out of debt because we've got vision that reaches far out beyond it, but we've got to get that done first. Well, go ahead and show this next slide. This is the progress we made in 365 days. Look at that. We went from 11,000 square feet paid for to over 19,500 square feet paid for in a year. Get out your calculator and you'll find that's almost $900,000. I've just been sitting and thinking about that for days going, Lord, that's a miracle. Like I said, we're a brand new church. We got us up here in the mountains. How'd you do that? I don't know if it hits you the same way it does me, but I see these things and, and I get these reports and to think that we made that much progress all the while doing construction. And even more than that, we broke through to another level in our giving last year at church. So while we're giving more than we ever had and while we're constructing and while we're still operating the church and the ministry, still over 8,000 square feet of this project gets paid for. Somebody say miracle. miracle. You want to know what this required? Commitment. There was a lot of things that came up over the last year that we said, we'll have to do that later. We can't do that right now. We're not going to do that right now. We're not going to hire this right now. Why? We're committed. And when you're committed, it sets boundaries for you. When you're committed to a vision financially, it'll set boundaries on your finances. Not legalism, leadership. So we stayed committed and that brought us up to this place right here. Again, do the math that puts us about 5,500 square feet to that debt free line. So we've been content 
and we stay committed. Now, Lord, how do we be courageous? Back in December, I got a report from our accounting department. Accounting department, wave your hand. That's Lauren. <laughs> and about once a month, every six weeks or so, I get a report that shows us the, the finances and the money that we have in various accounts. We've got a construction account and media missions account and a giving account. And we've also got our operations account and our savings account. And I was looking at it and I looked at how much we owed and I'm looking at it going, a lot of these other funds are spoken for. We can't touch that, but there's, there's just enough right here that we could do this thing. But then I was like, man, I don't know. That takes it down pretty low. I, I don't know. So I talked to Sarah back in December. I said, will you pray about this with me? Got another report in January. I said, yeah, we could do this, but I don't know if it's right. I don't know if we should. We, we could. So just thinking about it. And then Saturday morning, yesterday, about 6.30, I'm sitting on the couch and my Old Testament reading for the year, Monoville plan, guess where it put me? Numbers 12, 13, and 14. And I just sense the Spirit of God saying, are you one of the 10 or are you one of the two? And I'm looking at it going, see, I had been thinking, we, we could do this, we could do this, but there was a switch in my heart Saturday morning when I realized we have to do this. So we're going to be courageous today, church. And at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, a wire transfer is going to take place. I'm going to show you where we're going to be in this project. Go ahead. you show them that next one. This is now who you are. That's who you are. That's who we are. That's what we are. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say contentment, commitment, courage. And I'm telling you, we didn't do this lightly. We didn't, we didn't just think, oh, wouldn't this be fun? We sought the Lord about this. And I waited and I waited and I waited till that confidence rose on the inside of me. And yesterday morning at 6.30 in the morning, it came so strong and I said, I am Caleb. We can do this. But it wasn't just about we can do this. What did Caleb say? Let's go right now. Right now. And I fully expect this is where my faith is set, that there is such a breaking loose on the other side of this. We're coming out of the wilderness of debt into a land that flows, flows, glory to God, flows with milk and honey. How many of you are on board with this right here? 
I, I know, Sarah knows we see these things, we see the finances. I'm just gonna tell you, this is a step of faith and it's courage. Now we're not down to zero, glory to God, there's, there's money there, but I know this is the step he's told, he's told us to take. So we're gonna do it. And as soon as the banks open, you are gonna be a debt-free church. A debt-free church. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. So what does this make us? It makes us free. It makes us free. We're free from that debt. Now we are free for ministering to our teenagers, to our children. So put that one graph back up there, please, that shows 5,000 square feet left. Your next to last one. One right before that. You see all that white space there? That is all freedom to minister to the next generation. That is $500,000 that we get to sow into our legacy, into our children, into our teenagers. And there's a lot of things that are gonna be accomplished in that, but today is Big Vision Sunday, so what better day for Big Vision Offering? And we're gonna start attacking that thing. Everything we give today is going on that part of this project. Because we're now we're free. Somebody say, I'm free. I'm free. So now we get to give towards our children. You kids that are in here today, you teenagers that are in here today, this is, this is your church family loving you. This is your church family believing in you. And now we get to sow into them. And we'll do the same thing with this part that we did with the first part. We'll just stay with it and stay on it. We'll lay hold of it by faith. We'll claim it. And Jesus said, if you believe you receive it, when you pray, you will have it. Amen. So why don't you say it out loud? We believe we receive $500,000 to minister to our teenagers, our children, and the entire family of Legacy Church. Okay, you said it. We believe it, amen? Amen. So in our offering this morning, that's where this is gonna go. If you brought a big vision offering with you today and you need an envelope for cash or credit card giving, raise your hand. Our ushers have one for you. If you're writing a check, you can make it payable to Legacy Church. There's online giving options for you. Uh, LegacyChurch.family, we've also got text to give. Thank you guys, hanging out. You excited? Yeah. Good. All right. <laughs> um, you can follow the instructions that you have on the screen. Sarah, would you come please? I have our offering. Take your time and finish writing. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Thank you, Lord. I believe that's gonna go quickly. That's gonna go quickly. We've actually got some great things to share with you about the progress we're already making. And we're going to do that here in just a moment. When you're done writing, why don't you stand up with us and we're going to hold our offerings before the Lord and worship and praise Him with Him today. We've got some things to be thankful for, church. Yes, we do. Thank you, Lord. Anything you want to add to this? That's great. Okay. Let's hold our offerings before the Lord. Take your time and finish writing. When you're done, just stand and worship Him with us, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I don't know exactly how you did that, but you did it. I don't know exactly where all that came from, but I do know you're the source of it. 
And we are so grateful as a church, as a family, to be free, to be free, to be free. Thank you for the freedom that you've brought to us in this church. Thank you for the freedom that you've brought to so many in this church family, the congregation, how you have liberated them and removed the burden and the bondage of debt off of so many. Lord, I, I'm mindful that well over $700,000 in debt has been paid off just within the family. That's you, Lord. You did it. You did it. You did it. Glory to God. And Father, we honor you today with this big vision offering. We know that your assignment on us is to minister to our legacy, the ones that come after us, to raise them in a household of faith. And part of that has set boundaries for us. We are so thankful for where we are, but we're committed to where we're going. We are committed to this vision to minister to our teenagers and our young people. We ask you for your help in accomplishing it. And when it comes to pass, Lord, we'll be quick to give you all the glory for it. Sarah and I speak over everybody in this family today. We call you blessed. We speak increase over your life. And may everything you set your hand to do prosper in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church, let's say it together. I think we need to say it with some strength today. We are prospering in every area of our lives, spirit, soul, and body. We sow in faith and we breathe in joy. We will have more than enough to meet every need, to pay every debt, and to be a big blessing to a lot of people. We're not running out. hear people talking about the glory days, but they use the words, those were. It's always a reference to the past. I felt better then. I looked better then. Those were the glory days. But what I hear the Spirit of God saying to us and to this church about 2023 and beyond is not those were the glory days. What I hear is these are the glory days. You've been baptized. You've been submerged. You went in that way. Don't try coming out of the water that way. Let this get all over you and you come out wearing Jesus. I'm thinking, devil, you said I wasn't going to get my chocolate donut. <laughs> you said that I wasn't going to see the promised land. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter about your culture. It matters if you're steady and you're faithful. God said, I'm looking at everybody and no longer is there any nobodies. I'm seeing there's anybody as a somebody that the Holy Spirit could be poured out on. What a day we live in. Custom made for nobodies. He says, Jesus looking at him, loved him. This tells me, church, that everything God tells us to do is for our own good, and it's ultimately because he loves us. You see, this is where miracles start to manifest. When people start to identify with who God says that they are. If he gets his life back again, he's going to have to change the way that he thinks. He can't think like a sick person any longer. You're here because you say you want to change, but what do you really want? The Greek word thales. Come on, tell me, what do you want? Do you really want 
your life back again? a good year. It was a great year. Those were glory days and glory days are not over. Amen. We just keep building on everything the Lord's done for us. I want to thank you for being patient with me. That took me about 15 minutes longer than I intended. Uh, but I'm telling you, the anointing has been all over me since early this morning about it. And I just could not wait to share that information with you. Somebody just say it again. I'm free. What's it feel like sitting in a debt-free chair? Have you ever felt that before? Wow. You like that? Yeah. Glory to God. Well, let's go over some things uh, concerning our vision list for 2024. And you, can go, you guys can go ahead and start with that first slide. We're going to put a lot of this on the screen for you. And what we do here as a church, as a family, is what we encourage you to do as a family in your own home. And we always take, uh, create a vision list. And we've, this is how we've been taught to do it by our pastors and our leaders. And we, we break it up into three simple sections. And we start with the kingdom first. Anybody believe that's a good idea? What did Jesus say? Seek first, not like top three, but first the kingdom of God and everything you need will be added to you. So that's where we start. And in 2023, we committed to sowing out beyond our four walls as a church. I know you're here every week and you're giving and we're giving every week and all that is coming in, but we believe as a church, we still have the responsibility to reach out beyond ourselves and beyond our own need and minister to the lives of other people. So a year ago, if you'll go to that next slide, you'll see that as a church, we committed to setting aside 17% of what had come in through the Partners of Pearson's Ministries, which was Sarah and I's ministry for 10 years before we started the church. And then in addition to that, also set aside 13% of the income from Legacy Church. So everything that's coming in on a weekly basis on our Sunday services, we set aside the first 17%, the first 13% of the other account, and that goes into our God account. Now, if you don't know what a God account is, it's exactly what it sounds like. That's where we put those uh, that money right off the top. And we say, Lord, this is yours. You can put it where you want it to go. Bless who you need to bless. And it's available anytime, day or night. And we don't touch it for anything else. We don't pull anything out of that to meet our own need, to pay any bill, to pay staff. We, we don't touch it. That's the Lord's. And we do that uh, as an example of what we believe all of us should be doing in our lives. This is how we honor him by taking the top off of everything that comes in and we honor the Lord with our first fruits. And so we committed to do that in 2023 and glory to God, we did it. As a matter of fact, if you'll go to the ne that next slide, not only did we set aside that, but we actually broke through 
and we sowed 20% of the total income from ministry and church outside ourselves and look at all the ministries you blessed through your giving this year. I think I count 15 or 16 different ministries that you were able to impact, uh, impact. And I thank God for this opportunity. I know a lot of these names on here would be familiar to you. Some of them may not be. Um, that third one there, Covenant of Faith Church, this is actually a new partnership that we have with uh, a church in Tuba City, Arizona on the Navajo Nation. And last year, they invited me to come minister in their Healing of the Nations conference. And this is something that's been strong in Sarah and I's heart for a long time to minister to First, Na First Nations people. And we were given that opportunity. And so we're going to continue our partnership with them. And in June of this year, I'm going back to minister at the same Healing of the Nations conference again. So this is a powerful partnership. Uh, Dean Sykes in the Spirit of America. Dean is a good friend of ours who has a powerful ministry to teenagers. And actually, he goes into public schools and he tells his testimony of how the Lord saved him. And then he gives, gives opportunity for those kids, not just to be born again, but his ministry is specifically to have teenagers make a commitment to never take their own life. The statistics are astounding, church, of the numbers of young people that on a daily basis choose to take their own lives because of the pressure at home, pressure at school, pressure in their own heart and their mind, their relationships. And Dean has an awesome call of God on his life. And tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of teenagers have signed what Dean calls a you matter pledge that says, I will not take my own life. That's powerful. And you are partnered with that. Glory to God. So there's a lot of others there, but I wanted to mention those two uh, to you as uh, just highlight what God's doing there in that partnership. So if we'll go on, I don't want you to jump in at any moment. Okay, I'm sorry. Do you have a microphone? Yeah. Okay, please jump in. So for 2024, here's what we're going to do. We are going to up our commitment from last year, and we're going to, instead of splitting out the accounts, we're going to take 18% uh, of the total income, whether it's from ministry partners or from you as a church, and the first 18% of everything that comes in is going to go back out to minister to these ministries and whoever else the Lord would have us minister to. We're connected with missionaries right now in Kenya. Uh, we're connected with Ashley and Carly Teredes who are here today. They're a part of this church and partnered with them and helping send them uh, to places where the Lord will call them to minister. And these guys are going, going, going all the time. Every time I see them, I say, where you been? Where you been? And it's always um, someplace preaching the gospel, Africa, the UK, across America. So we're thankful for that relationship. Honored that you guys are part of this with us. You want to say anything about that, about our giving? Okay. So that's what we're going to do in 2024. That's our commitment. And we're going to just keep increasing that as the Lord leads us. And then we come to the second part of our vision list our debts and our obligations. And uh, if you'll see what we committed to last year in 2023, we wanted to be debt-free in this building. And so we made a bold declaration of faith and we said, debt-free in 23 for Jesus is our Jubilee. And that was a pretty bold declaration of faith. But look what the Lord has done. Man, that makes me want to dance and clap and sing songs from my childhood. 
Cynthia, I might need some help in a minute. <laughs> Look what the Lord has done. Thank you, Lord. He has delivered us. So you see this in 2024, that is accomplished 12 months to the day. And we're debt free. We are debt free. Hallelujah. One more time. Come on. We just got to thank him one more time. Thank you, Lord. Praise you for it, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Sarah and I were sitting on the couch with the kids yesterday going over our vision list. And we just had a sense that because we committed to this and put the Lord's things first, we just had a sense that personally he was going to be freeing us up. When he comes first, it opens the door for him to do the same thing in your life. And I'm not just saying that because we're the pastors here. I'm saying that because we're like you. We're believers. We're people of faith. And we're part of this church the same way you are. And if you put first the kingdom and you got seed in that, get ready, get ready, get ready. I believe that. The door is open, giving God access to work in your family and your finances and the miracle stories. I believe glory stories. You're going to be covered up in glory stories, girl. <laughs> they are going to be coming in. Thank you, Lord. So then we come to the third section of our vision list. And this is where we get to believe big. This is where we get to dream and we take all the limitations off our dreaming. We take all the limitations off our believing and we use our God-given imagination to imagine and picture what life could be like if we took the limitations of money off. We are so trained to think what can I afford? We are so accustomed and entrenched in that way of thinking that it has become literal limitations and set prison walls up around our believing. And we think, well, wouldn't that be nice, but we can't afford that or we can't do that. Or maybe they can, but we never could. And this is an exercise in faith. And the Lord said over and over throughout the word, be it unto you according to your pastor's faith. No, be it unto you according to somebody else's faith. Be it unto you according to his will. Hmm? Be it unto you according to his power and his ability. No, be it unto you according to your faith. What can you believe? And this is where we just get to take the limits off of God. And in our 2023 believing, it wasn't a long list. It was what I believe the Lord set right in front of us to do. And the first thing we can show that now on that list was the lobby remodel. And you'll see there that uh, we've made some progress in that. Um, if your eyes are open when you come in the building, you can tell we haven't fully completed that. And everything I said to you a few moments ago about contentment, I had to put it into practice. Um, how long ago was that? Less than 48 hours ago. When she and I were standing in the kitchen, I was going over our personal vision list from 2023. And I'll tell you, at the first glance, I thought, well, that didn't happen and that didn't happen and that didn't happen. And I could feel that discouragement try to set in. So I start talking to Sarah and she's like, don't do that. Don't do that. And between Sarah and the Holy Ghost, um, which oftentimes those are hard to tell apart. Uh, and that's how it should be. I'm telling you, the Lord speaks to her through her and um, to me through her. And we went back and looked at it together. And what we actually saw was we saw, I think we counted up 
six or seven different things that did get marked off our vision list that the Lord did do for us personally in 23. But beyond that, we saw, I think it was probably eight or 10 different things. We made progress here. We made progress here and we made progress over and over and over. And we saw there was so much to be thankful for. We sat down with the kids and they got out their vision list. And Jesse, how many Markoffs did you say there was on yours? 16 Markoffs, that vision list. <laughs> Glory to God. Childlike faith. We could learn a lot from them. And you'll see some of that same thing as we talk about the progress we've made over the last year. Um, in the lobby remodel, we did make good progress. It might be hard to tell when you walk in, but let's just take a look quickly at some of the progress we made. Sarah, do you want to go over any of these things in particular? These are just some pictures you can see construction going on and it's listed out there. You can see it. I don't need to read all of it, but it's, we did make some uh, progress in, in some insulation areas, the HVAC system, uh, completely new HVAC system, 24,000 square feet of the building, got a brand new HVAC system. Thank you, Lord. We're going to put walls around all that, but I almost don't want to. I always I almost just want to see it all the time. Uh, a lot of demol demolition took place. We've got uh, things on, ordered, uh, on order. Um, but would this be kind of a good opportunity to talk about some of the we, things we experienced? We also um, are putting in a whole new fire system for your safety. Um, this building, when we got it, if anyone was, anyone was here in the beginning, you know, wow, it was uh, quite a project to start yeah. on. Um, we're putting in a whole new fire system, uh, HVAC, uh, many things that we discovered as we got into the lo lobby project that needed to be handled on the front end. So all your children will have heating and cooling upstairs, things that weren't here before. So it has been a, a bit of a deeper process than we got in, we knew getting into it. But even as we started last year to work on the construction for the lobby, we had some issues come up with our construction company, and we ended up um, changing, switching to a new company. And we've moved all of our, it took some time, but we had to move all of our permitting and everything over to a really awesome company. And it's amazing um, through all the, getting all the new contracts and all of that takes a lot of time uh, legally. And we finally signed a new contract and tomorrow they are starting on finishing the lobby of the new construction company. Yeah, so we are so excited and we'd like to show you you know, the amazing thing is, is Let's do that on the 2024 side, I think, or unless you want to go ahead and do it now, that'd be great. Um, well, I just wanted to tell you this, that during, in the meantime, we were able to, it gave us time to really look at everything and spend more time planning. And, you know, the planning stage is never wasted time. Yeah. Although it can feel like that when that discontentment tries to set in, it's not wasted. And it's actually exciting because that's when faith starts to kick in. And so for us, we, um, we've really, really uh, fine-tuned all of our plans, our renderings and things like that. And we'll show you those in just a few minutes. Will you tell that story you told me just before church? About the little girl in our church. Yeah. So um, after pre-service prayer today, Lacey, where are you guys at? Are you in here? She came up to me and she was telling me they got together as a family and they prayed. And forgive me if I get, don't get this perfect, but they got together and they prayed um, and they sought the Lord about their vision list and started to write down and talk about the things they were believing God for in a new house. And, you know, um, it was just so awesome because she said that they were rejoicing over that, getting excited. And then the next day or later on, her daughter came to her and said, 
let's talk about, can we thank God for the house we're in now and what he can do here in our life? And you know, really that is, that is just so powerful. And when I heard that, I told Jeremy about it because that is contentment and courage all at the same time, you know, contentment and um, just that, that childlike, you know what, I'm going to enjoy my salvation right now. Enjoy my life with God. We always make jokes because my brother Josh, I'll call him sometimes and he's known for this, but I'll say, what you doing? He's like, just sitting here eating a pizza, enjoying my salvation. (laughs) (laughs) And every time he says it, I love it. And it makes me just want to chill out, you know, and just like, and relax and enjoy God and enjoy myself. (laughs) Eating a pizza. That's that's contentment. So the good news is we actually did make good progress on the lobby last year. Um, our heart was to get it finished, but like Sarah said, the, the construction company we're working with, um, they just had to make some changes. And so we ended that relationship with them and that was about June of last year. And it has taken since then to about right now, just a week or two ago, a couple of weeks ago, we got the new contract signed. So that looks like a lot of time lost, but like Sarah said, it's all in what you do with it. And so we took that time, she took that time to dig back in, fine tune the plans. Uh, You don't wanna just sit idly by. You wanna say, okay, Lord, what do I do to make this time valuable? And I believe we got an even better plan now than what we had to begin with. We've had a a pretty amazing time watching the Lord give us favor with so many different people, designers. Uh, It's just amazing. I have a certain look that I want in there and the Lord actually gave me, uh, hooked me up with a contact. They gave me all of their information and it was just so neat to watch. But when we get done with this, the lower lobby and the upper lobby will all be finished for your children and and for your families. This will be a place of fellowship for our church family. And we are so excited about everybody being able to have another, more, more space to enjoy each other and to hang out. And it's just going to be really wonderful. Now the great news, uh, in addition to the great news we already gave you today about being debt free, um, that contract that we just signed is for a certain amount. We agreed on a price and that is in the bank. It's sitting there right now and it's ready to go. Now that is for their part of the construction. And what we've worked out with them is a lot of the finishes, uh, we are going to do. And when I say we, I do not mean me. You do not want that happening. But our team, our guys, um, some skilled workers that the Lord has brought to this church, we're going to take that on. So that's where we're going to believe God to refill those accounts so that we have everything we need when the time comes. We're talking maybe summertime. Yeah, in summertime, we are going to finish up in there. And, you know, if the Lord has given you a skill or something special that we don't know about, you should let our guys know about it. Let Tyler, let Michael, let these guys know um, about the things that you're able to do. Because you know, in the Bible, God picked certain men to build the house of the Lord. And it wasn't just it wasn't just the skill, although the skill was a part of it, but it was deeper than that. It was their heart to build his house. And so I would encourage you, if you get this in your heart, something stirs in you to be a part of helping to build this house even more, uh, let us know because there are going to be plenty of opportunities to come in here and set your hand to do something. And you know what? It'll be blessed. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. And before we move on, I'll add one more thing to it. Thank you for your patience. You have come to church for several years, many of you, in a construction zone. Our staff has come to work every day in a construction zone. 
And I appreciate more than words can express your patience, your patience. I think a, a lot of people could have, and maybe even some did said, I'm tired of getting covered in dust every time I come to church or every time I come to work. But I'm so thankful for our staff, Sarah, faithful, 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 stuck with us, stuck with us through the project in the beginning days, long days, long nights. And, uh, right now, Work has already begun to improve their offices and the children's wing. So maybe we'll talk about that in just a second. But moving on to the next part of our vision for last year, we had committed, we wanted to develop, further develop our children's and our youth ministry. And again, we did make progress in that. Uh, we got the children and the youth moved from downstairs. I think they were in the, lob, in the hospitality room, but we got them all moved upstairs and got classes uh, ready for them. And so now they're able to be broken up by age. I think we've got a few pictures of some of the work that's taken place. These hallways were rough, rough, rough when we got here. Um, but this is just some of the work that's taken place over the last year. And even here recently, this is the room the kids are meeting in now. Um, and we certainly want to make some improvements on this, but they're going to have an amazing space. Um, and I will challenge anybody to a game of ping pong and you just better watch out. Uh, so the good news is there. Yes, we have made some great progress. The Lord has helped us. Um, so as we move on to 2024, where these things are concerned, what do you do when you come to the end of a year and you haven't completed or received the thing you were believing for? It's easy. Keep believing. Carry it over. Don't put time limitations on God. Keep believing. Don't stop believing. Somebody should write a song. Don't stop believing. So what we're going to do is in our 2024 Believing Big, we're putting this on here. Now, the first way I wrote this was continue lobby remodel. And the Lord corrected me and said, don't say continue, say finish. <laughs> so 2024, we are finishing this remodel and we will have a grand opening date for you very soon. And we are going to party like it's 2024. Uh, and it's going to be amazing. I think this would be a good opportunity if you want to show them some of the redesign that you and your team have worked on and get a vision for what this Yeah, and these like. aren't totally completed, but you can see, just get an idea of what this uh, lobby is going to look like if you haven't seen it yet. So we have a great big staircase. We've also doubled the size of the staircase, just if you didn't know that. Don't go too quickly through the pictures. And so um, you're going to have a lot of space, and we're putting a handrails in there that are going to be safe for you to walk up and down. New furniture. These are what we've got in our... In our, up in our brains <laughs> to make it look like, but we still have more perfecting to do. Um, and we're going to have lots of beautiful things on the wall, lots of scripture to remind you of the goodness of God when you come in and out of church. So isn't that awesome? It's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah. We have a fireplace. Hang out with your friends and yeah, it's going to be great. I want to just take a minute and say this is something remarkable too. All of these renderings were done by uh, Jason Montgomery, who's on our staff and been with us. He and his wife, Kristen, have been with us for years and years now, as, has, as have much of our staff. But um, to go get this done by an outside agency would very easily, just these pictures, we've got four or five pictures here, very easily could have cost $10,000 to have them done at this level. And the Lord has put that grace and that ability in the house that just, I, I'm just astounded that he would do that. And, 
And this is just one of the many things we've asked Jason and others to do. And they just do it so willingly, so gladly, and so excellently, too. So thankful. There's lots of amazing rooms off of this room, too. We don't have the renderings for them, but we have an auxiliary room. We're going to have extra meeting space for when we have conferences and people overflow. Um, and other groups will be able to meet in there. We also have a huge hospitality room, if you're not aware of it in this church, with the huge commercial kitchen. So we are going to have the ability to bless so many people that come in, um, do dinners, fellowship time. So we are really, really excited about the space God gave us here because it, it's really just perfect for our church family. It's wonderful. So as we move on in the list, um, we want to maintain the same things that we did last year. We want to keep uh, growing this children's and this youth ministry, continue with what we've done. Uh, we, we did some things last year that we'd never done before. Some of the youth events, right? I mean, how many youth events did we do last year? Probably four, five, six of them. Um, and our teenagers loved it. we we now have a teenager in our house and, uh, he has been on us. We need, we need more youth events. We need another youth night. We need another youth gathering. So, um, that was the direction that Sarah got in her heart for our teenagers was to do different events surrounding different things. And man, they had a blast. Yes. Thank you. Um, those images that we've been using for our children's and youth space. Could you guys pull those up for us, please? That might be a bit out of order here, but I want to show you again. Thank you. This is what we can see our youth space looking like, giving them a place to come and gather and hang out with each other. Uh, safe place, fun place. This could be really cool. In addition to this game room and hangout area, we want them to have their own sanctuary, a place where they meet with God and they encounter his presence. So this is for our teenagers, for our youth, or excuse me, our children. But we actually have vision as well to be able to use this space for some smaller gatherings, maybe more like classes in the future. So be in agreement with us that this vision comes to pass. We can really see this happening. Uh, but the big step that we are taking this year is we are starting a youth group. And give me just a second here. I want to kind of give you the vision for what the Lord has told us about this youth ministry and what it's supposed to be. When we first got up here years ago, I must have seen somewhere on a sign or somewhere written in print. I saw a couple of words that really jumped out at me and caught my attention. And anytime I experience that, I just sort of keep it in the files in my mind and say, Lord, what, what are you saying to me about that? And somewhere I saw these words printed, base camp, base camp. Um, it took us moving to Colorado for me to encounter the words base camp. They don't talk much about base camp in Texas. Um, but when we got up here, that became a more familiar term to me. And over the last several years, as we've prayed about uh, the direction for our youth ministry and what the assignment was on it, I kept coming back to base camp. And after digging into it some, looking at different definitions, looking at different usages and what the base camp is. Some of you know what a base camp is. It's, it's, it's literally that. It's at the base of a mountain and where a team or an individual is going to start a climb or start a hunt or a reconnaissance mission or an exploration. This, is, this camp is where they start and it's where they return to. And camp is where uh, you get all the, the supplies that you need for the journey, for the climb, for the exploration. 
And the more we prayed about it, the more I thought that is a perfect picture of, we, of what we want youth ministry to be for our high school, junior high and high school students. And so in looking at this and pulling definitions from different places, this is what the Lord's given us. I want you to show them that picture of base camp. Base camp, this is legacy youth. And what base camp is, is an encampment at the bottom of a mountain that provides safety, shelter, and supplies for the climbers that are beginning their expedition and their exploration. Leave that up there for just a moment. Let me focus in on those three words, safety, shelter, and supply. Anybody want to know what Base Camp Legacy Youth is all about? It's about safety, shelter, and supply for the teenagers that are just beginning their expedition, their exploration into the things that God has called them to and created them to be and to do in life. Our youth in this church, they need a safe place. They need a safe place. You know what a safe place is? It's a place you can be honest. The reason people put up a facade, the reason people lie, the reason people pretend is because they don't feel safe. They feel like they got to be something else to be safe. But base camp, legacy youth, is a safe place for our young people, for our teenagers. It's a place to get honest with God and let him be honest with you. Safety. Base camp is a place that provides shelter. When you're out on a climb, you know, maybe you've seen some of these videos of people heading out and climbing Mount Everest. You know, you get that high up, conditions change. The environment changes. Storms, wind, rain, snow, and you're getting pelted all the time. You need some shelter from the elements. And teenagers and those who used to be teenagers know all too well that it can start raining in life and that the wind can start blowing in life and that it can feel like you're in a storm at school, maybe even at home, and you need some shelter. Base camp is a shelter. Your youth ministry will be a shelter for you where you can get in out of the storm and there's peace. Base camp will be a place of peace. And teenagers, every time you step into that, you are going to sense the peace of God in that place. And if you've been in the middle of a storm, come to youth. Come to youth. Because there's shelter there. And then finally, supply. Supply. You need some supplies, young people. Any adults confirm that word? You need some supplies. You're heading out in life. You got a climb you're starting. You've got an expedition and an exploration that you're about to take place in. You need some supplies. And again, if you've ever witnessed any of this, either done it yourself or saw it on a video, these guys don't go out there in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops to climb Mount Everest. They are decked out, man. They are covered head to toe. The backpack's loaded and they have got stuff on every limb, it seems. These are supplies for the journey, things that keep them, things that protect them, things that supply for them. And you need some supply in this life and base camp is where you go to get the supply of the word of God. The scripture says that, uh, that the man and the woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Teenagers, we don't want to send you out in life without the equipment you need to succeed. Well, where do I go to get the supply? Base camp. Base camp. So um, parents, does that minister to you? 
before you send your kids to youth? Is it minister to you to know that it's going to be a place of safety, shelter, and supply? It ministers to me. So why don't you tell them what the next step is for base camp youth? Um, Wednesday. I believe so. Yeah. My right 13th, correct? Wednesday, March 13th is going to be our first youth service. And we will continue youth every single week <laughs> following. And uh, we have two teams of youth ministers that are going to be working with your children. And we can tell you that they are people that have been with us for a very long time. Yeah. We trust them completely. And we um, are so excited that they will, your young people will have the opportunity to be around some of these amazing men and women of God who, um, who, we, we just know they will be a safe place for your children. And um, we are very excited. We've sought the Lord about it. We've asked him who should be working in these areas. And this is the way he asked us to do it. So there's a, um, going to be um, groups, two different groups that are going to minister every other week to your children. And, um, and they will get a lot, a lot of wonderful influences and have a lot of people that... Um, that they can look to for help and for guidance and that will teach them the word of God. Yeah. So we are very, very excited about how we're going to do this and how the Lord's leading us to do it. And, um, and we're open to the Lord and we've committed it to him to do it exactly the way he wants to do it. There will be a lot of the word poured into them. There will also be a lot of fun. <laughs> And they will have a lot of wonderful fellowship together. They will make some of the best friends of their lives. Yes. And also they will hear for the first time the call of God yeah. on their life. So many of them in these services. So that's what happened to Jeremy and I. And we have a real heart for this age group. We used to be youth pastors before we pastored. And we have uh, walked with people, walked with them through certain challenging seasons of their life. We know we've walked through those seasons as well. And um, we are believing that they will be fully equipped with everything they need and will have such a wonderful experience in the presence of God that will mark their lives forever. So, Amen. Thank you, Lord. So um, do we have teenagers in the house this morning? Can you stick a hand up? I know you may not feel like wooing. That's okay. You'll get used to it. We actually, to kick this off today, we've got a gift for every one of our teenagers. And we've asked a couple of the teenagers in this youth group to join us on stage and showcase this gift. Justice, Macy, would you come up here real quick, guys? Come on, come on, come on. This is our son, Justice. Why don't you show him what you've got on? Come, come, come model this for them to stand right up here, my son. There you go. Macy, stand here. So check this out. There's the logo. Turn around. Base Camp, Legacy News. We have these as gifts for every one of our teenagers that are in service today. So before you leave church today, uh, don't leave without it. Lauren, tell me, oh, I missed her. Uh, we're going to have him have somebody stationed right over here, four people to hand out uh, sweatshirts to you. And we've got a bunch of different sizes. So uh, we'll find one that fits you, but we want to let you guys know we love you and we want to bless you and we want to keep you warm for the rest of the winter. So give these guys a hand. Thank you, buddy. Love you. Thank you, Macy. 
safety, shelter, and supply. So that's what base camp's gonna be about. And we're gonna invest in that. And we're committed to that vision for 2024. And, and just to wrap this up, if you'd put the rest of the vision list up there for us, we have one more slide to show you. And many of these things are uh, things that we've carried over from years gone by. Uh, we wanna continue building out the administrative offices. That's gonna take place. And all of that is upstairs where the children's ministry is. And so we're wrapping that up as well in that next part of the Jubilee Freedom Project. And uh, you wanna tell them about any of the work that's already begun up there? Carpet, paint. We, yeah, just a lot of the details, electrical, carpet, paint is being, it's, we're in the process. We're super excited because our people have been with us for so long and they're going to have a wonderful place to come to work too, yeah. <laughs> not a construction zone. It's so it's going to be good. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to stick with that. Um, one thing we carry over year to year on our vision list is our service team growth. This is such an important part of this church that I know is such a big deal in your heart. Um, but Sarah made sure, make sure this is on our list every year that these teams continue to grow. Um, it, if you wanted to say anything about any testimonies that come out of those teams and family, finding family. Yeah, we, and we have, this is the helps ministry of our church. And we have, the Lord has really given us a mandate and um, a responsibility. And he, he put it to us like this, really a motto that we are here to serve and happy to help. And, and it really, when we started the church, the Lord put in our heart really strong that this church would be a place that was known far and wide for their warm hospitality. And I, I pray that everyone that comes in this church senses that, the love of God and faith in God and just a sweet presence um, and, and just feels like right at home. And so that is our goal with our hospitality teams, with our helps ministry, and with our service teams. So we are super, super blessed. I mean, when you come on this parking lot, can you, do those parking lot guys just not make you they feel like a million dollars? And the psalmist said that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord yeah. than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And so we've got all these amazing teams all over this church, family within the family, serving God together and being a blessing to the rest of the family. Yeah. And it's just been amazing to watch. It's part of what you saw in the video earlier with our fall feast where we honor and celebrate all of our um, wonderful team members. But we are so blessed to have such amazing, warm, loving people in this church. Yes, amen. Would this be a good time to do yeah. this? Okay. Um, we actually printed something up and we want to send this home with everybody today. This is a card that you can stick in your Bible. You can put it on your refrigerator. Just keep it up in front of you. And as you see it, just let it connect your heart back to the church and the family you're a part of. We put the new logo on the uh, front side of the card there. It's beautiful. And on the back side, um, there is... Go ahead and pass them out. We, there's several sections here. We've got our adventure club kids, our base camp youth, and then our service teams. And this is just to remind you of where we place priority in this church. We have such a heart to minister to our children, to our youth, and to give you as grown-ups <laughs> a place to plug in as well and serve one another. And down at the bottom, it says, raising a family in the house of faith. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. We want to see you flourishing and thriving. So ushers, go ahead if you're not already. Pass those down the aisle. Everybody grab one. I think we've got about 500 or so here today. So just take one to start with. Any extras we'll put on the table in the lobby. And we'll keep making these because I think these are great invitation pieces as well. Uh, as you're out and the Lord puts it on your heart, hey, come check out our church. Uh, because you love your church so much that you want to invite people here. So... Just hang on. Hold on one second. You love your church so much that you want to invite people here, right? Oh, there it is. Thanks. 
So you can use that for that as well. And then uh, to wrap up the vision list portion of this today, these are some of the things that we've carried over. Um, I have a ministry airplane on this list. And uh, I know a lot of people feel funny about that. I don't care. Um, <laughs> folks, listen. I was on, at the end of last year, I was on 16 airplanes in about six weeks. Commercial airline flights. And that is enough to wear a fella out. And uh, so my faith is high for this thing. And so we're believing God. And we have sown two airplanes into other ministries in the past. So we've got great seed in the ground. We're expecting great things there. Uh, we're still believing God to expand our, park, our parking lot, improve the entry. We're working on that right now. Um, most of you know there are multiple cabins on this property. We've got awesome vision for those, but first things first, taking care of some other things around the house, and then we're so excited to dig into that, to restore and to remodel those cabins. We, the Lord, just in the last week, has been talking to Sarah and I. It's like we're dreaming again, and I, I think it really had to do with getting this place paid off. It's like you can't go on to the next thing till you get that done. And as soon as we got that thing wrapped up, the Lord starts talking to us about the rest of this property. So we're dreaming big time right now. And some things we are so excited to share with you in the future. And then like Sarah said, we've got a commercial kitchen that's on the vision list. It's back there. It needs a lot of love, but, uh, you know, by the grace of God, we'll get that thing done. And this place is going to be an amazing, amazing place to come to church, bring your family. And we're so excited about the things that are ahead. Amen. So let's do this together. Everybody stand up, please. And if you would take your vision list in your hand, we wrote ours this year together on the iPad. We got all fancy with it. And I want you to lift them up. And just like we've done today with the church and, and the things that we see in the future of this ministry, you do the same thing with your family. We're going to hold these things before the Lord and we're going to commit them to him. And I want you all throughout this year, as the Lord brings it back to your thinking, keep those words in mind today that he spoke to us, contentment with where you are. Even if there's some things on this vision list that seem like they are way out in the future and you think, how in the world are we ever going to do that? It starts with contentment with where you are. And just ask yourself this question, are we further than we used to be? And over and over, the answer is, yeah, we've made progress. And church, has he done enough to make you thankful right now and to spend the rest of your life and all of eternity going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, he's done enough. So it starts with contentment with where you are, then commitment to where you're going. And if what you and I have written down is a vision that we've gotten from the Lord, then let's commit ourselves to it and let the vision create boundaries for us that we live within. The, the vision that we have for our marriages, we live within the boundaries. The vision that we have for our children, we teach them to live within those boundaries. Don't just slap a sticker of legalism on it just because there were some rules in your house. No, legalism is if your kid breaks the rule, you kill him. You think I'm kidding? I told you I'm reading the Old Testament. That was legalism. I think next time somebody says, says to me, oh, that's law. You're putting me under the law. I'm going to say, there's 600 laws. You tell me which one I'm putting you under. I'm serious about this because we've just gotten so flippant with slapping a law sticker on something or a legalism sticker on something. Legalism, I was reading one yesterday. You know what it said? If you touch a dead body, 
you're dead. We kill you. You're no longer in the community. Legalism is if you tell your kids when they mess up, they're no longer your kids. Leadership is when they mess up, you let them know there's mercy. There's mercy in the house. That's leadership and love. I'll get off my soapbox. So we're going to commit ourselves to the vision. And when the opportunity comes and the road before you out of the wilderness is visible, take the courage to take the step. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's hold these things before the Lord and pray over them. Father, we come before you this morning. So grateful, so thankful for what you've already done today. This is a monumental, miraculous day in the life of this church. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise for it. You have already done so much. You've done enough, Lord. You did enough when you gave us Jesus. You did enough when you sent him to the cross in our place. You did more than enough when you raised him from the dead and you made us your children and you gave us a place in your home. You've done enough for us to be thankful and grateful forever. Well, Lord, we know that we've received vision from you about our future and we commit ourselves to it. We commit to live within the boundaries of it by your help and by your grace. And as you lead us, Lord, we will be courageous to take the steps that fulfill the vision, courageous to take the land. We present these visions before you, Father. And you said that you would give us the desires of our heart. And we, we know, Lord, there is no limitation on you, on your ability. But you've told us we receive according to our faith. So we take time right now to put our faith in you, in your word, and in your love. So I want you to say it out loud. I have faith in the love of God. I have faith in his love for me. I am confident he loves me. He's for me and not against me. And I am more than a conqueror because he loves me. My father loves me. This vision will come to pass because I have faith in his love. Thank you for it. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, what do you do next? You, you take this, you put it in a place where you can see it. You put it up in front of you. You remind yourself of it over and over and over. And you say it every time you see it. He loves me and my faith is becoming sight. Amen. This has been a good day, hasn't it, church? Glory to God. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.